Welcome to the Divorce Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Carolee Fontanelli, and I am a divorce lawyer and author and have been through divorce myself. I'm here to support you throughout your breakup journey. On this podcast, I will share with you my secrets and legal tips on how you can thrive through your separation in small six-minute increments. Don't do it alone. I have got you. Good morning, good evening, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me again on the Divorce Collective Podcast. My name is Danielle Young. I'm the Senior Associate here at Collective Family Law Group. Today, I've got a special guest uh, joining me. Her name is Kathy, um, and she is a real estate agent. Um, so I'm very excited to have her on board uh, today. So let's get stuck into the podcast for today. Um, I'm really excited to have Kathy here. Kathy, thank you for joining me. Um, how about you? We start with you telling our listeners a little bit um, about yourself and who you are, and um, how did you get into real estate? Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So I naturally went into real estate because of my parents. When I was a little girl, my parents migrated to Australia in 1990. So back then they bought a, a acreage probably in Carlinville and then they sold it and I was helping them translate English back to Mandarin and Mandarin back to English, dealing with many agents. And fast forward, then it became a hobby. So I never treated it seriously as, you know, a, a, a job. Then I went into Master of Dietetic, Dietetic Studies at UQ and my, uh, Bachelor of Applied Science, Food Science and Nutrition at UQ as well. So I became a dietitian. I help people eat well, how to eat more, how to eat less or how to avoid a food allergy. And then, then GFC came as well as two baby girls in 18 months. And I thought maybe I should do something a bit more useful rather than telling people how to eat, what not to eat. Uh, <laughs> perhaps I could turn my hobby, real estate, into a fee-paying job. Um, and it was actually September 2015, and the rest was history. Oh. So you've been a real estate agent since 2015? Yes, a proper full-time real estate agent since September 2015. And the yeah. reason why I emphasize on that is because over the past 15 years or so, when we were dealing with real estate agents as a buyer, uh, two real estate agents mentioned to me, have you considered becoming a real estate agent? And I always would have taken as a compliment and say, thank you so much for your feedback. No, it's just my hobby. <laughs> well, and now it's not. So I'm so grateful for you coming on because what um what this podcast is about is sort of giving our listeners a bit of information, um, a bit of guidance, answering, you know, um, as best we can, some sort of questions that they might have, um, well, that we preempt they might have. So today, this podcast, I want us to go through sort of talk about what the process looks like for our clients. So our clients, are, as you know, are family law-based. So they're going through divorce, they're going through separation, you know, and selling, um, potentially selling or transferring their property. So can you take me through, I guess, first of all, just what the process looks like for them? So how does that start? Sure. Usually they will probably be speaking to solicitors like you 
and to be guided to ask for a valuation report. Whilst we are not the property valuer, we do actually give them an appraisal and provide a CMA report, which is comparative market analysis report based on uh, any comparable sales or the best possible sales in the area and give them a ballpark figure. When it's in the million dollars price range, we would give them about a hundred to $150,000 there about of a range. When it's under a million dollars, we tend to stick to between fifty dollars to $75,000 price range. And then they would give that report to their solicitor. And from there, they may then decide on which agent they feel comfortable to work with. So do you, so, so just, just on that, do you mean that if the property is valued over $100,000, then when you give your appraisal, the parties can expect sort of a leeway, yeah, of $100,000, $150,000 or so, so either side of what they might expect that, that, that property to sell for. Is that what you mean? That's right, because it depends on when they actually come onto the market as well. We do have a little disclaimer at the end of the report saying that this report, the value would only be valid for 30 days, yeah. subject to FDA rate changes and also the market uh, dynamics. Because let's face it, they may require that report for their solicitor or their discussion, um, say, six months prior to they come onto the market. So we do need to give them a bit of leeway so to uh, allow the market for fluctuations. Sure. And so they've got their appraisal, they've spoken to their lawyers, and um, potentially they've got, you know, an agreement that the property is going to be listed for sale. Um, so what, what can parties expect or what do you help them with or what do they need to do when they're thinking about how to get that property ready for the listing? Yes, uh, generally I will request a meeting in person uh, wherever possible because I do understand there is um, the sensitivity and also the emotional um, you know, uh, baggage involved. So when we do meet in person, I would then go through how we prepare the house for sale. I do leave them behind with a booklet that with a checklist and also explain the types of buyers. For example, there will be your everyday buyer who would have uh, property alerts from realestate.com.au, domain.com.au, and there will be also people who would just say casually buy a property uh, to, you know, to, um, to, to include in their portfolio. There will also be people who uh, never actually wanted to buy, but they are interstate. So there will be different types of buyer and also the preparation. And generally speaking, there will be the decluttering um, involved because you leave your house as a home. So you will have everything you know, on display naturally. So we would go through that and as well as uh, marketing campaign, as well as uh, what's involved in the pricing and how do we engage the buyers. We would go through that. But the million dollar question would be, have you ever sold a property before? Or what's a, what would look like a successful campaign for you? And it depends on their situation because there's no one size fits all. If they say to me, Kathy, we want the house sold yesterday, then of course the pricing, the marketing campaign will be different, such as auction rather than private treaty. 
And on that, so, and and because we use that a lot as family lawyers um, in our um, agreements with clients about auction versus private treaty, um, what's the difference? Can you explain to our, our, our listeners what the difference between those two things are in, in non-lawyer terms, I guess? <laughs> sure. Private treaty is a funny phrase. It's actually just with a price or for sale uh, or, you know, by negotiation. So these are the terms that you usually see on a real estate ad. Auction, it gives the sellers more chances in century of time, but, you know, um, we've also got to be realistic in terms of um, our clients want a resolution and, and, and want to move forward. Um, but can they, can they agree with you um, as their agent to sort of extend time? So say, say, they wanted to sell within a 60-day time frame or something like that and um, and you've got some really big interest but rather than just cutting them off right there because it's 60 days, can the parties work with you if they agree, that is, um, to say, look, let's keep it on for, you know, a couple more weeks and see if we can get it over the line? Is that an option for them? Yes, there is. Uh, so the standard agreement is 90 days per term mm-hmm. uh, on the Form 6s um, and this is a good point that you are making because I've got this RP data uh, on my mobile phone. So we do monitor many suburbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say uh, in a suburb of um, Cleveland, uh, the median days on the market currently is 32 days. Okay. And so that's within a 60-day period. And mm-hmm. let's also look at uh, another suburb, for example, uh, Carindale. Carindale, for example, that's 22 days on, on the market and um, perhaps a Gold Coast-based suburb uh, such as the beautiful uh, Burley Head, the median days on market is uh, 41 days. So they are all well within the 60-day and I do think that property uh, do sell very well when they are priced uh, correctly. And when we say correctly, it's not so much as um, it is a premium price. It's a price that's realistic with a little bit of wiggle room. And when buyers see value in it, and also when the property is presented nicely, it smells good, look good, and um, the the colour of the picture uh, are photoshopped properly, uh, people naturally would consider it. Yeah, sure. Okay, so we've got the parties come to you, uh, you or to a real estate agent and, and they've got their, their, they're ready to go, their listing. And then the next part is that you'll give them an appraisal so that you can tell them sort of what price guide that they should list. You'll talk to them about what marketing campaigns that they, that, that they may need um, and then um, how to scale auction versus private treaty. And then we're setting the listing price based on that. What comes next? Presumably we get a buyer. So what's the next part of the process that parties can expect? Is that, you know, that offer, acceptance? Where are we at? Yeah, so when an offer comes in, uh, there will be definitely local offers. So I do explain to them at the listing presentation that there will be people who are trying to buy it or pick up a bargain and there will be some general or very much common prices that um, arise and there will be also what we call as premium offer or premium price that you take the price or take the, the, the uh, money and run it quickly. Uh, so we would then actually present the offer to them in writing and that's the best practice. We don't sort of tell the, the seller that, oh, we've got this offer. We actually will inform the seller of a text message we receive from a buyer 
or maybe we could actually get it on an email to show them the offer received and then obviously have a discussion. Okay. So pre- when so presuming that we've got an offer and the, and that the, the clients are happy with that offer, when does the when does the things like building and test? What part of the process is that after the offer or is that before the offer's made? Yeah, that's a great point as well. So in Queensland traditionally we would have building and pest inspection condition as part of the contract. So usually that would come after the sale price is confirmed by both seller and buyers and then it's all then sent to the convincing solicitors. We are now seeing more sellers getting ready to have vendor paid building and pest inspection reports available before coming to the market. And that's very similar to Sydney and Melbourne, you know, real estate agents doing that for their sellers because they are traditionally more of an auction market. Having the building pest inspection reports available on display, it really removes any roadblocks uh, in the sale process. And the other thing um, why I say it's a great question because it's better to find out any creases in the sale campaign because let's face it, real estate is not um, something that you want to have for fun. It's quite a stressful process. So if you could actually get building and pest inspection done before coming to the market, it's a couple of hundred dollars. However, you get to understand whether there's uh, there's going to be a couple hundred dollars repairs that you need to be aware of or whether there's going to be a $50,000 potential price reduction that when you can get a, 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 a termite a barrier down within a couple of thousand dollars. So it is actually for your peace of mind when you can have it done, ideally. Sure. Does the buyer, and this might be a bit left field, <laughs> but um, curiously, does the buyer have to accept the seller's building and pest or are they entitled to get their own? Uh, they don't have to. However, because we have it on display, the buyers may feel more confident about the process. And that is to do with, uh, you know, because it is a, a quite a large transaction. So having that report there, it shows that we've got integrity. We, um, we don't hide anything. And they do have the right to uh, go and get another opinion, professional opinion, to have their building pest inspection done. But it is more for the benefit of our sellers because we have seen sellers make mistakes by saving those money and then then to be you know confronted with very simple things such as regrouting or um, you know there's um, leakage in the in the in the pipes. Or there could be some roof repointing in the tile roof, and that can all be avoided if a building and pest inspector has been through and then flash out any concerns or problems. Yeah, okay. that's interesting, and that's a good tip, I guess, for our listeners. That's a good tip and some food for thought about, um, you know, whether they whether they put their own building and pest in that process because the process itself, correct me if I'm wrong, sounds like it's the same process. For every single person, you've got, yeah, you've got where we're selling, we're listing, we're figuring out the campaign, we're figuring out the price, um, we're getting a buyer, we're signing a contract and then we're off to conveyances. Um, but there's some really valuable information there that um, that 
that the sellers can do to, I guess, lessen the load on them during that process. That's yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, look, I think, and I'm mindful of time, um, these are really quick, aren't they? We could talk forever. But I'm going to get you back on, I think, Kathy, um, and our listeners, I think, would benefit. And we might get you back on for some other episodes where we can talk more to our listeners about, um, you know, the role of real estate, or we can talk to them about some challenges that they might face during specific, you know, for divorce um, matters. So um, we'll leave that for another day and we'll close off today. Thank you so much for joining me, Kathy. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Danielle. It's always good to value add to our clients. It is. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Divorce Collective podcast brought to you by collectivefamilylaw.com.au. If you got value from this week's episode, I would love it if you would hit subscribe and take a minute to leave a review. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook just by searching for Collective Family Law. And remember, until next time, you have got this.